0: I've got Matt Cleese on the show today from Loon Outdoors and inside perspective from the product designer himself. This is episode 147 of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show today. Matt Calise, the product designer for Loon Outdoors and the rep for about 12 big fly fishing companies is on to share some stories of how he went from full-time fly fishing dirtbagger to full-time fly fishing industry leader. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. Since 1977, the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal has long been considered the Angler's Magazine. With original how-to's and technical articles written by the best trout and steelhead anglers in the West. They are committed to sharing exceptionally written essays, fiction, poetry, and in-depth guides to fly tying and fly fishing. FTJ is one of my go-to magazines, and if you haven't checked it out recently, you can get started today by calling 1-800-541-9498 or heading over to the web at ftjangler.com. Dotfishing.com is your trusted source of information with access to the world's best fishing trips. You'll never pay a dime extra for the trip you book, and in many cases, less than advertised. Find out where Got Fishing can take you by heading over to gotfishing.com today. That's Fishing.com, or reach them by phone at 208-630-3373. Gotfishing.com, the easiest place to start your next fishing adventure. So without further ado, here's Matt Calise from Loon Outdoors. How's it going, Matt? I'm doing well, and yourself? Good man. It's a uh, good to, good to chat here. I was uh you're down. I think you're down. Where, where are you at? You're in you're in uh, California, right?
1: Yes. So I am in Redding, California. Yeah, that's so right. Redding. Kind of yeah, so pretty pretty far north. Uh I would say I definitely live in northern California.
0: That's right. Northern. Awesome. And I love, I get, I, we were just talking about this a little, little bit off air, but yeah, I, I have a lot of, uh, definitely listeners down in that part of, of, uh, you know, your area down there. So we're going to dig into a little bit on, uh, you know, whatever we want to talk about, you know, maybe supply tight, maybe some steelhead, but, uh, before we get into that, can you just talk about how you first got into fly fishing and then how you brought that into working for loon and all the other companies?
1: Man. Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um, so I was probably like a ten or eleven year old kid. Um, we had like a family cabin um, on Puget Sound in Washington, uh, and we, my dad, goes my my uncle and my dad would always take me fishing and stuff like that. And my uncle used to just tell me stories about sea Run Cutthroats and Dolly Varden on Puget Sound. And uh, he and my uncle, I think, got me like a thrift store, uh, like you know, thrift store setup uh, glass rod and some fly time materials and kind of just taught me to cast in, in some sort of manner, probably <laughs> horrible.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so I kind of like got into it, uh, kind of a weird bringing, but it's, you know, it was like stripping streamers in Puget sound, uh, during the summers for C run cuts and Dolly Varden, cause they were very much more prevalent back then. So that kind of just, uh, something i something i just did throughout my adolescence and then uh, when i moved to northern california in like early 2000s uh ran into a cool fly shop called ted safe fly shop and uh, bob grace there and joe kimsey kind of took me into their wing and then tricked me into tying a lot and then i think i was tying some custom patterns for them and just been kind of going ever since so that. At nearly 40 now in the next few days i i think i have a pretty good 30 year ish run at fly fishing
2: (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) but yeah i mean that's kind of my general upbringing it was just like you know get outdoors and fish um as a kid we used to just get dropped off at golf courses with fly rods and weird poppers and Uh uh-huh Get, chase, get chased by marshals quite often. So, <laughs> do, you,
0: do you still do some uh, a little bit of bass fishing uh, these days?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we, we blend it up pretty good. Um, and, I mean, we, we're, like, here in Northern California, like, especially the Redding area, it's probably one of the most blessed fishing areas in the world. We have um, two amazing lakes uh, 15 minutes away. So we have uh, Shasta and a little oh, yeah. lake called Whiskey Town. So most of the time we, we run up on uh, Shasta and, you know, we do a, there's a technique that's been developed up kind of up here uh, on the fly rod with a bunch of my guide buddies like Hogan and uh, guy, Ryan Williams and dude, John Fischetti. Uh We do a float and fly. Um, so we're tying balanced bait fish patterns and fishing rock walls and wedges. And it's pretty cool because you'll just throw it out there and, one cast, you'll catch like a 24-inch native rainbow in Shasta. And then next one, you catch like a, you know, three-pound spot or smallmouth bass. Hmm.
0: Crazy.
1: So, yeah. So, we mix it up. I mean, you know, we have every species of bass, bluegill, um, tons of species of trout to go, you know, brookies, browns, rainbows, jump over the hill. You have steelhead. If, if you want to just get like ruined, we have all of the the spring Creek fisheries here where, you know, the fish are just going to snub you. Um, and then of course the lower stack, which is just like a, you know, giant trout factory.
0: Oh yeah. Man. So, so you're in a good spot.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, most of it, you know, most of my adventures revolve around the kids. That's kind of like yep. my main
0: priority though. Exactly. It, so, it, it, it's cool how that works, isn't it? I think we were talking, We our, our kids are the same age, and I, oh, I had um, a long, quite a while, a couple of years ago, I had George Daniel on, and we were talking a little bit about kids, getting kids into fishing, and, and that was his biggest tip. He, he said, don't, even when you go fishing, don't take your stuff at all, just like, you know what I mean, like, take, go, it's for the kids, you got to make sure to focus on them, and um you know, I think that's something I didn't think about a while back. You know, I was kind of like, well, I'll do a little fishing on myself and then I'll get the kids into it. But uh, do you find that as well that you just really, you kind of focus on them and that that's, that's the trip, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that 99% of the time, um, every once in a while we'll have like a tough day and they'll be like, "Yeah, well, like, so I run a six and an eight year old in a drift boat. Oh wow! And And yeah, so they've been doing that actually since they were like solo trips, me and the kids since they were probably four and six.
2: So we've been doing that
1: for a few years. And I think my six year old this year finally landed his set. Well, it's not finally, but some people will cringe at this, but, uh, he has seven trout over 20 inches. Dang.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) you know,
1: um, he 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 is quickly turning into a guide. Uh, yep. If I have if there's if there's somebody else in the boat, he's standing on top of the cooler, barking orders, yelling to mend.
0: No kidding. the
1: hook. Yeah, like if you oh. want to be demoralized, let a six year old tell you how horrible you're doing for four hours. You know. Um, but uh, you know, he's a. They're both fishy kids, and they have a healthy respect and understanding of like the river. So they've, uh, they've never stepped out of line, I guess you would say, you know, like, yeah, um, you know, but it's fun. But yeah, we just go float, eat lunches on islands and yep, catch as many trout as we can.
0: Man, do you see them, <laughs> you know, you've been doing uh, in the fly fishing space for a while. What, what, what would you see? Would you, if, you, <clears throat> if uh, you came out and they became guides or state? would, would you like that to see them in, in the industry down the line? I mean, I know, I know that's a long ways away.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be really cool. Um, They have, they, they're pretty, I mean, they're, they're pretty humble about it. So they have the right mentality, you know? Um, And yeah, I mean, the industry is always changing and they're, they're learning and they're, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun to see what they could do in an industry like this. There's been a lot of, there's a lot of cool people out there that like I know that were basically raised in this industry. And, you know, they, they live super happy, fulfilled lives.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, better it's, it's, you know, traditionally better than a nine to five in front of a computer, I'd say if you, if you get to be outdoors and experience things. So, exactly. um, and if you can make a decent living at it, then you're ahead of the game. Right.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's, there's a few different ways. I mean, I've now with, approaching 150 episodes, I've interviewed pretty much every type of right person that's trying to make a business in fly fishing. And, um, you know, it's been interesting to hear because I've heard all the different stories. I mean, what do you think is, what, what do you think is the the best thing about what you do? And maybe you could talk a little bit about what you're doing now and who you're working with and then, and then dig into a little bit of, you know, what's kind of the best of it, the best and the worst of what you do.
1: So I, man, I do, I do kind of a lot. Um, it, I think, I think everybody, I think first and foremost, people, a lot of times will misjudge how big fly fishing really is.
0: How how big is it? Because I think we've talked a lot about that, talking always about how small of a niche it is, but what do you mean by how big it is?
1: Well, I think, I think guys just, uh, I mean, I think guys think you just make money like hand over fist or something and it's like you know, they're like, man, you're making all this money. And you're like, where's that at? You know, <laughs> like, right. no. I, I, I'm not, I'm not here because I, uh, want to become super wealthy. I would have picked a different career, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think sometimes people, uh, over inflate like the size of what we do and, um, stuff like that. And I, I always equate it back to like this, uh, I got the chance to meet this gentleman. I was at IFTD ICAST when it was still uh, a joined unit, you know, down in Florida. And, you know, before the show, the show opens, you can get in there like an hour early because you're a vendor or uh, Mm -hmm. distributor and stuff. And, um, I got to meet this guy and gentleman walks up to me and very polite, well-spoken, well-mannered guy goes, hi, how are you doing? Like I was looking at conventional gear because, I always take what those guys do and try to apply it into fly fishing. Exactly. Cause you know, there's like this, that's just my thought process on it. And I turn around and my kid, my, my boy watches bass fishing like all of the time. So I recognize this guy. I'm like, dude, this is like, this dude's like number two on like the bass pro circuit right now, you know? like. Yeah. And ended up having like a 45 minute to an hour long conversation with him about kids and stuff like that. And, most humble human ever. And then I met some like young kid that was like super, I mean, he was like, I don't want to like be harsh on him, but he was young and he was super stoked to be at this big event. And he like, he, all he did was talk about how big he was. Oh, wow. <laughs> like on the, And I was like, and I was like, okay, well we're in fly fishing. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a cool, it's, it's the raddest thing ever. Like, yeah. you know, it's a cool industry and like, but we're not that cool. Like we're not Shakira or something, you know, we're never going to like some international superstar type person, you know, no. type thing. So I was like, you got to chill it out a bit. Like I just talked to this dude that probably makes more money telling somebody that he flosses his fish with like Bubba's weight company than I'll ever make in a year. Right. Like, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a cool industry and and as far as what I do in here, Um, so I design, I'm a director of product development and national sales manager for Loon Outdoors. Mm -hmm. And so I take basically all the tools and ideas and products that Loon makes. Most of them originate in my head while driving as a rep somewhere in the Southwest of the United States. And, um, so yeah, it's kind of an interesting job. So I do, I don't have a formal degree in chemical engineering or 3D CAD or anything like that. But um, through tinkering, reading and understanding uh, documents that would probably bore most humans to death, like I've, I understand like what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Um, so designing new floatants, like we just came out with a new floatin called Fly Dip, which is not only fish safe. Uh, but it's like human skin safe. It's not going to, it's toxicity levels to humans. I mean, you'd have to like, you know, it's, uh, it's actually really funny because all the toxicity reports are like, how much do you have to put in uh, a bucket of water to kill a rainbow trout because they consider it a sensitive species?
2: Hmm.
1: So it's interesting to see that, but, um, I mean, you would have to I don't know if we can sell you that volume of this product kind of a thing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's cool. Like designing chemical stuff, doing 3d CAD, um, fit, finish, everything kind of just comes out of my brain and like my home office slash shop.
0: What's a new uh, product that's just, that's come out, you know, recently that, that somebody might not know about, or maybe they know about.
1: Well, it's the, like the newest one is probably fly dip. Um, and it's a dip floating. it's CDC safe. It's like when we were in testing, we had one of our ambassadors, uh, spill it down his waiters and into his drift boat. Mm-hmm. And this guy guides on the Deschutes. Uh,
0: who, who was it?
1: Uh, Jeremiah Hool.
0: Oh, Jeremiah. Okay.
1: Yeah. AKA Jeremiah super spay on Instagram. Uh, okay. he's now actually. I kicked him off the ambassador team. He was nothing but trouble, but I hired him as my Pacific Northwest rep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, you don't get to be an ambassador and get a, you know, <laughs> right. all this other, like we have we're going to, we're going to move you here, brother. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was telling me that he'd spilt this down his waiters and he'd step into the chutes and there was like an air bubble trapped around his, this oh, area. Wow. <laughs> um, so it's like a triple hydrophobic compound, uh, that's, you know, completely inert CDC safe. Like I said, uh, you know, works for like your Dorsey style indicators, doesn't destroy foam. Um, and the hardest part is that it has to be environmentally friendly. Yeah. So, that's um, and you know, that becomes like a pretty weird term for people because,
0: and why does it have to be Why does it have to be, I mean, I, obviously environment, environmentally friendly is good, but you think of things like lead and stuff like that, right. Which is kind of still out there. Um, so why does your stuff do you, is that part of the company, part of the, you know, the way you guys do things?
1: So, yeah, it's one like loon, uh, you know, our initial like mantra or mission statement, whatever, it's just fishing with a conscious and, you know, so everything like we don't make any products with like, you know, you brought up lead, which is a great point and topic. And, you know, so we make a tin split shot option and we do tungsten putties and
0: do you, do you guys do, do you guys do lead?
1: No, not you at all.
0: That's, that's it. You don't do lead uh-uh. That's awesome.
1: No. Um, and, and basically everything that we make, um, has you know, it nothing nothing in the world will ever be environmentally perfect. If you can take that, like no. you know, for what it's worth, no, yeah. because if it was environmentally perfect, it would be nothing.
0: Yeah, there's always um, going to be you know, some like impact. E- there's always going to be some impact, no matter what you do, right?
1: Right, right, exactly. But like by taking stuff and trying to shift it to the most minimal impact possible. Um, you know, as our sport grows and more people are on the water, more people are on sensitive watersheds, you know, if you go out there and you lose 30 nymph rigs in a day or something, have a really bad day
2: Yep.
1: and you're using big chunks of lead shot, like that all rolls downhill.
2: Yep.
1: And you know, when, when you really think about it, say if you're fishing in a mountain stream, like say if you're in Mount Shasta and fishing the upper stack that then goes down into Lake Shasta, Lake Shasta drains into the lower stack. Everybody along there, all the way to San Francisco is utilizing that as their drinking water source. Yeah. And, you know, you compound that stuff over like say 50 years of fishing. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's an impact there. And, you know, for like a guy who's like donating to like TU and restoration products to like, look at you and go, tin ten split shot doesn't work well.
0: All right.
1: I'm going to, I need to use lead and it's like, no, so wait, you're just trashing what you're like. I don't, <laughs> um, so yeah, everything that we do with loon is just going to be as environmentally sound as possible. Trying to decrease the carbon footprint, like,
0: who else is doing, who, who else is doing that, Matt? You know, are, when you look at the other companies that have the, the terminal tackle and all that stuff out there, I guess in the, you know, in the flight, are there a lot of companies that are doing that where it's like you can't even get lead from them? Or, or would you say you guys are the unique situation?
1: I, I would say that we're, I mean, I would say that we are the unique situation. Um, there, there's nobody, I mean, I think there's like a, a few guys that do like a, tungsten offering. Yeah. Um, I've tested all of the tungsten split shot and unfortunately, um, not to sound super nerdy, but like the smelting process, which is the basically the melting process of how you manipulate metals into shapes. Uh like tungsten, I think I forget the exact number, but it's like it's too brittle and it like smelts at like forty eight hundred degrees or sixty four hundred degrees. So you it's not a malleable metal that you can click on and click off, like say lead, yeah. which is ideal because of its weight and softness. Um, So
0: yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty unique. You know what the cool thing about that is, Matt? And I, we've talked a little bit about Patagonia. I think sometimes maybe people get tired of hearing about it, but you know, it's a good example, you know what I mean? The way they've done it because um, you know, Shannard, uh, you know, back in the day, he was kind of doing the same thing, man. I mean, they were the only ones with organic cotton, t- you know, t-shirts and, and he pretty much just said like, dude, this is what we're going to do. And I don't care, you know, what it takes. And, you know, it sounds like right. you guys are just, I mean, does it come down from your, your founder? Where does this stuff come down from on, on loons kind of the thinking here where you guys are just going doing this stuff.
1: So the original owner was, uh, like a super smart guy. And I think, uh, it, it kind of all came from him from the early nineties when we started. And, um, and that was just uh, when the, the new owner uh, like kind of bought it at this like juncture. And um, that's just been our program ever since. I, I think this is, I'm about to enter my eighth year at Loon. Um, so, you know, everything as, as you see, like, I mean, say like UV fly tying resin and stuff like that, like you see all these new companies come out and, and you're like, Cool. Wow. Okay. Somebody else was doing UV resin. Mm -hmm. And then you I mean and I'll be completely honest, if you looked at my my like workstation, um, I have everybody's resins. And uh they stink. Really? You know, like you mean
0: literally stink
1: yes, like the actual off gassing smells. Um and I'm not saying that ours has zero odor, Mm -hmm. but it's it's much more the impact of, you know, it goes, it goes right back to impact again. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, you know, taking like what, you know, the stuff like Patagonia does, like we have a lot of really good friends over at Patagonia. Uh And, um, I would say, I mean, I, I I can't ever say that, Oh yeah, we're like Patagonia, you know, because their capabilities and everything that's amazing that they can do. Um, is on another level than probably what we
0: could ever do. But it all started, if you think about it, right. It started with that one guy who somehow he embedded his whole thinking right into the company. And, and is that kind of with, yeah. with, with you guys, it sounds like, I mean, cause you're, you're embedded on this thought. I mean, where does your conservation, you know, ethic, does it come from loon or do you just have that even without loon? You
1: know, it's, I mean, it's totally, it's totally been pre loon. Um, for me at least uh, you know, doing stream cleanups and I mean, just, just whatever. Uh, and, and it's, and it's funny like to have, I mean, just even like if you see something out, out in the wild, it's like, dude, I have this huge pack. There's like two boxes in there and you pick up a bunch of junk because people have left it behind. Yeah. Um, You know, and like, it, it's cool to see like, uh, like with my kids, like they'll see something in a river or on a lake and they'll be like, that doesn't belong there. And they pick it up and, you know, which, which is always scary as a dad. <laughs> Cause you're like, you're like, wait, what are you picking up?
0: <laughs> exactly. And I saw that recently. I was up on a stream in an amazing place. It was pretty remote, but I think it was kind of some squatter. I don't know. They were camping out there, man. And they just left. I mean, they dug a toilet pit or like literally within 10 feet of the river, you know, they left a bucket right. with, with poop in it. I mean, it was just absolute, just terrible you know what I mean like that's the stuff that's that's tough to see isn't it I mean there's so there's so much of that stuff out there
1: yeah yeah and you know there's and 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 you know with more people getting into outdoor sports and but you know and it's not just fly fishing just no. you can insert any outdoor activity it's like um you know I, gr- I grew up most of my time hiking the, like as a kid like backpacking through the Sierras and like lying, lying to my parents that we were like over at, you know, we're over going to Joe's house for two nights for a big sleepover, and we're like <laughs> jetting, jetting off at 16 to do like a 40 mile loop up That's in the awesome. Sierras to try to like peak bag something that you need a permit for, but we were going to cheat the system and do it at night. Really? So nobody, no,
0: yeah. nobody knew where you were at. That's awesome. No. Yeah. There was no cell phones. It was
1: like, you know, pagers, and like our parents, all our parents thought we were at like our friends' houses, and you know, we're on top of like some. 12,000 foot peak wow. in the middle of Sierra is like seven, <laughs> seven hours away.
0: What was that movie? Remember the movie, that guy that got his hand trapped in the rock for, and had to cut his arm off.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like that kind of, yeah. Unintelligent maneuver. Yeah. Like, but you know, like, well, he, uh, what is it? I think that's Aaron Ralston. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but he was, I mean, yeah, we were we were just doing it as like dumb, like being dumb kids. Oh, like, yeah. let's go see how many peaks we can run up this week, or whatever it was. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, like the whole conservation. I mean, it's it's the my, it's like one of the things like with loon that makes me the most stoked, and uh, but it's also the hardest part of my job. You know, because most of the time it's you want to create a product that
0: yeah, the easiest
1: equally as good is yeah that's right exactly it's like man like uh like the fly dip product the easy way would have been to use like a hydrocarbon and hydrocarbons are things like gasoline or you know petroleum-based stuff and i mean i could have walked to like the local auto parts store picked up three products and made that thing work in three days and instead it took seven months to find the right inert chemical to evaporate the way we needed it to and uh yeah. also not you know be bad for the people or fish or the environment that's cool so yeah, that's cool yeah yeah it's just kind of it's it's challenging enough where it you know it keeps your mind thinking and you're looking at stuff and yeah um the industries you pull this stuff out of or you're like huh i had no idea these people use this stuff huh. <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> you can end up on, yeah, you can end up on some pretty weird uh Tangents. you know what yeah, and you know, learning about how to you know, it's like, how do you make this? How do you make huh. oh wow, this is You know, it's just super, not to divulge any trade secrets that I'm found, but.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is awesome. I I love this, Matt, because it's like a, it's just a cool conversation because I think, again, back to the Patagonia or whoever, I mean, you guys, you know, probably are doing stuff, you know, obviously you're leading things a little bit here, but people that are listening to this now might not know about that, right? And they're going to be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Why wouldn't I buy a Loon product that has less impact? You know what I mean? So. You know, from a business perspective, obviously Patagonia shows that being conservation—you know, being hardcore on that—you know, works, right? You're, you, got your people, right. and so. Hey, I want to. I want to dig in uh, on. There's a bunch of stuff here, obviously with Loon and everything, but I did want to just circle back around to your background because you have a few other companies. Can you talk about uh, other than Loon, who else you're working with?
1: Oh man, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, um, I'll list. I'll list them alphabetically because that's just kind of how my brain works. Yeah. But, uh, so I, I work with Able fly reels, which is, uh, it's really, they're a really cool brand. Yep. Um, you know, they, no, I, I mean, there's a bunch of cool fly reels out there and you don't have to own the fanciest one. I won't ever tell anybody that. Oh, but.
0: Able is the one that when you think Able, you just think like, they've always got this badass, crazy design. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I, and they've been like, I remember 20 years ago when it was like, man, what is that real? It's like, okay, able. they're, they're, they're different.
1: Right. Right. Um, so I do able, and, and you would laugh because I am such like a stealth operating type guy. Like I'm not bright and flashy. So like all of the ables that I fish are non-fish graphics. They're matte finished. And it's like, I went with like matte charcoal gray and matte green. Are you serious? Reel.
0: You don't have, so if you, right now, if you had to choose, if you went to Able and you were going to throw a graphic on there, what, what would it be?
1: Right now it's, uh, oh, man. Um, actually I really, for whatever reason, dig their Yamame, which is like a Japanese trout, uh, a little, right. little Japanese trout. Like I just dig that graphic for whatever reason. Cool. Um, and it's not a fish that I've ever caught, but someday I'd love to go to Japan and catch that fish. Just cause I think that, I think the Japanese fly fishing culture is like super rad yep. um, and Japanese culture in general. So, yep. um, so like, that's like a weird one. It's like, I want to get like a steelhead or anything like that. Right. <laughs> I get this, this crazy Japanese trout. Um, so yeah, so I do able, I work with airflow, um, which, you know, makes oddly enough, uh, just kind of fit into the story. Um, they don't use PVC in their fly lines. So hmm. they use polyurethane and PVC is uh, outlawed by like every EU country, basically. Um, oh, you wow. know, like it's 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 dead technology, right? Um, they're, they don't allow, they, you know, it's like, it's super harmful to you, it's a carcinogen, it's all this jazz.
0: Are there a lot of uh, line companies still using the PVC?
1: Um, you know, I don't, I mean, everybody's changing their tech right now and you know, I don't know what everybody's actually doing, but I know there are a lot of PVC based lines. Um, you know, everybody keeps that close to their chest. Um, but you know, airflow has been polyurethane since like day one, they've had low stretch cores, which I think is cool since they're for a long time. Um, and, and they're just cool people They have cool, like the whole culture there has been super fun to work with and like, like working on lines and testing lines. And it, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. Like, Hey, well, wow, this thing does this and that, and you know, lines for every different application. Yeah. Um, so we do, I do airlock, which is, uh, um, you know, we were, we had the the screw bottom, uh, indicator system. Uh-huh. And this year they got rid of the, the plastic ball uh, and they went to an EVA style foam like this like soft foam and they put a chemical in there now actually. So after 18 months, if you had broke your rig off and it goes floating down the stream, 18 months after being exposed to the bacterias and say like a river or soil system, the whole product actually will biodegrade.
0: Wow.
2: Um, Yeah.
1: So that's kind of cool. I do a really cool headwear company called Capture. We do you know, custom headwear for people, shops, uh, fly fishing companies, all that. Um, I picked up a really fun artist named Casey Underwood. Um, I always loved his art and everything. So we do like stickers and hats. Uh, I, I work with Timmy, uh, Tim Ray Jeff up there at Echo. So I do all the Echo product. I do uh, firehole fire hole sticks. Uh, Joe and Deb are, you know, husband and wife team. They obviously have some more minions now uh, because they're growing. So we do hook speeds and cool body uh-huh. weight systems all out of tungsten and brass, uh, Foley mill flies, uh, which is a European company. A lot of people don't really recognize them. Um, but they're, uh, here in the States, but it's, I think it's probably the oldest fly tying company in the, in the world.
0: Oh,
1: wow. Um, uh, yeah, like I think in the, like, I mean, it dates back to like the thirties or forties or something like they opened their first commercial factories. Huh. Um, so they do a lot of really progressive, uh, tungsten flies, pretty technical stuff. Uh, they call it nymphing in Europe, not Euro nymphing, but, um, so they've been on the jig and like tungsten mm-hmm. bead oversized program for a like a super long time. So they've been on my radar. Um, probably since I was ordering things like out of Czechoslovakian languages, I didn't know, um, to tie certain styles of flies. Um, so obviously I work with Loon, uh, Ross, I do Ross reels, um, which is really cool because a little known fact is, uh, so most of my, most of my companies kind of, uh, you know, if you look at it, they either started or their, their founders were kind of from California yeah. as well. Um, so Abel started in California anything with Tim Ray, Jeff Tim's the San Francisco, golden gate casting club, golden boy, you know, like that's where he, and it, that's where he and Steve cut their teeth with the Kriegers and stuff like that. Um, uh, then Ross was actually founded in a small town called Aetna. Oh yeah. And if Etna, you drove, right. and there's nothing in that Aetna really. I mean, it's not a really big town. Um, and, so I have a, on my shelf up here, I have a ton of Etna made Ross reels and I collect them like Pokemon. You know, I have everyone I see. I don't care the condition. I just, I just want it. It's a piece of history.
0: And now a quick word from our sponsors. Gotfishing.com, a boutique booking agency for fishing adventures around the world. Gotfishing is unique in working with a small hand selected group of outfitters from around the world that are known for providing an experience that is second to none. Got Fishing can be your trusted source of information with access to the world's best fishing trips. Their sole purpose is to help you plan the most authentic fishing adventure while making sure it fits within your budget. The beauty is that everything they do is 100% free. You will never pay a dime extra for your trip, and in many cases, less than advertised. I can attest personally to the service that Got Fishing provides as they have been working with me closely to set my first trip to the Yucatan for saltwater. They have taken care of all the important details and allowed me to avoid worrying about any of the complications. I know Brian and the crew have you covered at Got Fishing. Whether you need a fishing consultant, travel consultant, gear pro, or the like, they have you covered. With top of the line outfitters they represent around the world, they are confident they have just the right trip for you. You can give them a call at 208-630-3373 or head over to gotfishing.com to get started today let Got Fishing help you plan the fishing trip you've been dreaming about i forget that in the center are rivers and fish unspoken for that there are valleys the strata of which we lower into perhaps in the hollow between breaths in the tiny pause between the rise of summer and its departure i nearly forget the long sieve of winter the absence the fractional glimpses of light dear one i will go without speaking Ablaze, keep me until I disappear. That was a poem by Molly Dam in the summer edition of the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. On top of uh, some great poetry, as you as you hear here, uh, FTJ is jam-packed with another round of great articles in diverse departments. Joseph Rosano uh, is back again, provides another classic steelhead uh, lesson for everyone. We hear from Garrett Lesko in a stacking deer hair frenzy. Find out about striped bass from Angelo Peloso. And hear uh, from Dave uh, McNeese on singing the blues and material dying. Lots of additional articles in the summer edition, including an editor's interview with yours truly about how I became a fly fishing podcaster. Craig uh, did a really good job with this one, so I'm I'm pretty uh, proud uh, to be in in this edition i believe i have found the perfect sponsor for the show i would be uh, it would be really great if you can uh, support ftj by heading over to ftjangler.com and subscribing so you don't miss any of the tips tricks and stories in the next issue that's ftjangler.com to get started today and uh, tell them uh, tell craig and the crew out there you heard about um, the magazine from the podcast and i'll find a way to uh, put something extra special together for you okay back to the show what what happened to? I'm not sure if you could talk about this, but this was interesting to me because I've been I've interviewed a couple of Echo, um, you know, big players with Echo uh, on this show, and um, but what happened to the Echo Airflow thing? It seemed like it was such a, a perfect um, combination, right? I've got a lot of Airflow stuff in both, and they've kind of like split, right? Or is is that is there any? Do you know what's going on there? So
1: so Timmy Tim Tim and uh, Ray Jeff Sports they were uh, uh, Airflow was owned by a European company. Yeah. And Tim was the, the United North American distributor. Okay. And I think the, uh, you know, the figureheads of the European side of the business decided to, Hey, we're going to sell. And so they, they wanted to sell. And oddly enough, uh, the the same company that owns now Ross and Abel, ended up purchasing it. Oh, wow. So the Mayfly group, which uh, owns Ross and Abel and a few other things that they just uh, don't do anything with right now, um, are, are the new owners of Airflow. There you go. So distribute the distribution of the lines, uh, you know, instead of being out of Vancouver, Washington, uh, we'll be out of Colorado is, Is my total, as far as I've gotten into the understanding of it, you know, um, I, I try to, I, I, I mean, I just don't.
0: Yeah. You you don't get into the minutia on that stuff.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like
0: from the outside, from the outside and obviously I'm not an insider on this, but it, but what it looks like is like, or, and you hear from people that, uh, you know, Ray Jeff and what he did was, was huge obviously for, for airflow in the, in the U S right. He, he promoted the the crap out of that stuff. And, and then you're like, Oh, yeah. and then there's this split. So it kind of looks like that thing, like, Oh man, you know, it's kind of a rough thing. It would on, on but I'm sure, you know, all, this happens right in the industry. It's, it's just business part of it. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's like, and, and, you know, like Tim, Tim was always like super influential. Um, I mean, you can't, you can't speak highly enough about tim's brain and capabilities of like line design rod taper design stuff like that like he he can you can like look at him and be like i don't even understand where we've gone with this and you know talking about lines and tapers and stuff like that and he's he's so brilliant at that stuff and yeah i mean he was incredibly a huge player in the development of that yeah um and, and yeah, I try to stay, I try to stay away from yeah, makes all sense. of that.
0: You're, uh, you're, you're doing your, you got your own stuff with all these companies. Now, are you done with Ross or do you have more to add to that alphabet to that, to the, to your line here? Do oh you no, know.
1: there's more. So I'm also the Southwest rep for Scott fly rods, which was, as yep. most people know, it was a San Francisco based company. Um, and, uh, so that's like my, my super premium rod brand. Um, you know, we're still, and it's, it's odd too, because, So now I have when I, I I end up in Montrose, Colorado. And so now I have Ross, Abel, Airflow, and Scott all right there because they're all, they all moved to Montrose. Um, it's kind of funny that like both of these Northern California companies, like Ross and Scott both bailed out of California and ended up in Montrose, which is a lot like Redding. You know, it's not a huge town. Yeah. uh, lots of agriculture, like in the foothills of just amazing fishing. Um, and then, uh, my last, the last one I do is uh trout hunter, leader and tippet and tying materials.
0: Okay. Perfect. So, Perfect. You, got, you got a list yeah. there. So how do you know, um, you know, I mean, how many could you add to this list? Is there, could you just have 50 companies? I mean, what's the, is there a limitation on, on what you do with them? And, you know, will you be adding more companies as you go?
1: I I don't really, at this point, I don't really plan on adding. Um, it's just not something, I I mean, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. My workload is, I think if I start adding, I have to hire employees and you know, like a sub rep, like, like, like another rep to work under me.
0: Do people do that?
1: Absolutely.
0: Oh wow. So people have sub reps.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, um, like most, a lot of the reps that you'll meet in this industry didn't just like show up one day and say, hey, dude, I'm going to be a fly fishing rep. No, And you know, like they get hired either. Like, so I, I would say that I'm a really weird anomaly. Um, so a lot of them go, they get hired by a rep who has this huge list of brands and, um, Hey, you're going to cover this whole zone.
2: Oh, and
1: right. And you're going to see these shops, but I'm still going to go to that zone and see all of my buddies.
0: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: (laughs) You know, like there's like a weird split to it. Like I've never looked into it. Never, never really thought a ton about it.
0: But you could do that right now. For example, like I'm, I'm up in Oregon and you probably have, well, you know, for example, there might be something up here where I could uh, be a sub rep, right? For, for you. And and you can still come up and fish for steelhead on the Deschutes and and all that stuff, but uh, something like that, right? Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, there's, there's reps that have multiple sub reps and you know, um, but for me, it's always like my workload's pretty significant. Um, and you know, a lot of guys think of like the rep is like one of the most romantic jobs in the world. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of office and computer work involved
0: let's get back to that too on, on that, because th- a while back I mentioned the best and worst. So if if on the, on the rep thing, what, what is the, so, so is that the worst part of it is the office stuff? And then what, what would be the best, the best thing about being a rep?
1: No, you know, I don't, I,
0: um, honestly,
1: for me, it's like the hardest part of, and I don't know if it's the worst or the hardest part, because it's part of the job that I knew going into it. Right. Um, so I'd say instead of the worst, I'd say the hardest portion of it is Um, and you can relate this, you know, being a dad, I'm sure is being 20 hours away from home. And like, you get the phone call that your kid has pneumonia and he's going to the ER. Oh, right. Like that's the worst feeling you can have. Yep. And, um, you know, in my personal scenario, my wife runs an ER. (laughs) She's like the charge of an ER. Um, so like, I know that she's not like standard, mom you know like she is like i could like have my leg hanging off and she's like no big deal. Mm, i don't know if we're gonna <laughs> yeah it's not mm, you're fine right um you know you break a finger she like put tape on it that's all we do there no um, kidding. you'll be big boy you know um but just that feeling of like not being able to be there and like yeah. help in a critical situation or a stressful situation um and and i and obviously like the computer work stuff like some people may hate that but like it, it's part of the job and I just, I, I don't dislike it. Um, I, I love going through the day and seeing shops succeed with stuff that I'm passionate about and seeing them become passionate about it. And the computer works just kind of part of that reflection. I would say like, yep. you know, cause you gotta, you gotta do it. Um, the best parts, I mean, man, you're, you drive a lot. Um, mm-hmm. some people hate driving. I love driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm, I'm on the road 30 to 40,000 miles a year.
0: What, what do you drive? What are you driving?
1: Um, so I just drive, uh, I just drive the, like the smallest, I, I, I choose vehicles based off if I can fit everything in them. Yep. Um, so, <laughs>
2: um,
1: I have a tow vehicle like, uh, that I, I bought like many years ago. It's, it's nothing fancy. I mean, it's a, you know, it's like a 2011 one up from the base model Toyota Tundra. That's like my tow vehicle for like drift boats and bass oh, yeah. boats and, uh, runabouts, all that jazz, but most of the time, 99% of the time I drive a Subaru Forester base model. Um, and you know, I'm two years into that vehicle right now and I'm at 80,000 miles. (laughs) There you go. So um, So you're going to be up for a new vehicle
0: here pretty soon.
1: It's every five to six years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it becomes, it definitely is like the sacrificial lamb of my job. Um, things i'm excited about is like you know either a hybrid technology or yeah um you know like the self-driving car thing like in my head i'm like that scares the crap out of me but how blissful would that be to be able to have like this integrated ipad thing on your dash man. and you can just do business why this car drives you
0: it's there man i mean you hear about those people like with the tesla they're falling asleep in their teslas right and they're, they're still just driving down the highway
1: yes yes um you know like and i and i thought about like i mean a base model of tesla like unfortunately you just don't get the mileage that you would
0: need oh is that what it is the base so yeah you can get into a tesla now under under 50k right like uh, you they got reasonable models now
1: yeah i mean that's still over double the cost of uh, a base model super right <laughs> um you know as like if you're considering it as a business expense and stuff like that uh. um but, you know, the time to charge and then like your time on task, some days you're you're running and gunning and, and you're doing two to three appointments and some of them might be, yeah. you know, you might do an appointment in the morning and then you drive 200 miles, do another appointment in the afternoon that carries over into a dinner yeah. and you're like, by the end of that, like, unfortunately right now with the battery and charging technology and distance is capable. It's not doable. Um yeah, I mean, when you, I mean, just like from a business standpoint, you look at like time on task, you know, time, downtime and all that stuff. It's just like, and let's face it, like when you're in some of these towns, there is not an electric vehicle charging station. No, no, no. <laughs> because tr- trout tr- trout tend to be in like these cooler, more small, lo- remote locations. That's and, right. um, but I mean, I think it'll get there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm super, I'm super hopeful that like, you know, I'll have like a truck or a van that just goes down the road silently while yep. I do my computer exactly. work. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that's it. That's that, That's going to be there. Hey, Matt, hey, before I'd be, uh, people would get angry at me if we didn't dig into some on uh, a little bit on the fishing stuff. And I've been thinking about this. I've had um, a couple of, we've talked about the Sacramento. It, it sounds like that's kind of your home river is that what you consider It's my backyard? Yeah. It's in your backyard. So the sack. And then, so let's dig in just for a little sec here on, on steelhead, because we've talked a ton about steelhead. I've had, uh, you know, lots of episodes on steelhead, but we haven't talked about the the sack. Can you bring us to the sack for steelhead and just break that down for somebody who's kind of new to it and maybe help them get their first steelhead down there?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's nobody, like, there's not really a set of guides that, really target steelhead specifically on the lower stack.
0: Why is that? It, to me, it seems like there's a, on our river, you know, there's uh, hunt, probably hundreds, right? Hundreds and hundreds of people. But I mean, why wouldn't there be a few guides out there?
1: Uh, it's hard to differentiate the, the valley steelhead versus uh, our normal trout.
0: Oh, yeah. Really? So you you so when you, you mean differentiate being when you look at the two, you have a hard time seeing which one's a steelhead and which one's not? Well, it's
1: fairly easy. So say if you anything with a clip fin, like an adipose fin removal. Yep. Um is one hundred percent a hatchery steelhead. And there's a lot of times, um like I've I've landed rainbows in the twenty seven to twenty eight inch category in the town of Reading. Dang. And yeah, that's a steelhead. Um now per fish and game. I think it's like anything over 16 or 18 inches trout or because you can't differentiate. Right. No. Um, is technically a steelhead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but there, the, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I I don't want to talk trash on throwing bobbers and stuff like that, but like a lot of the program is indicator fishing. And there's a few guys that know where to go and squeak out swung fish. Um, but it's not promoted. Oh, it's not. Um, no. And it's funny. Like you could just be in the middle of trout water and all of a sudden you're fishing, you know, you're fishing like a PMD, a fish that comes up in tailwalks like seven times huh. and you, and you look at it and you're like, dude, did you go to the, like, did yeah. you go to the ocean and come back? Like, um, <laughs> but there's, there's just not like, there's not like a time of the year where it's like, Oh, these fish are here right now for that I've ever personally seen.
0: So it's not, so it's not like you go out there and you think, um, you know, September, you're just going to be like, okay, the steelhead are here. Let's throw on the store on our wet flies and swing for these steelhead in September, October. That's, that's not the case there.
1: The, there. There's places you can do that and you can go and target. That's like, there are known runs, but it's not what's popular.
0: In- indicator indicator. Nymphing is popular.
1: Now, if you, if you came to the sack in September, October, like the amount of egg flies and rubber legs and stuff that you would see people fishing behind salmon reds, right? Because all of, all of our trout and probably a good portion of our steelhead are going to go sit behind the salmon reds because it's like a giant Pez dispenser of, you know, 10 mil orbs of magic coming out of the schmuck. (laughs) and um so yeah it's it's kind of a different program now if we bump over the hill like towards the trinity for 45 minutes starting in like that early september time yeah you're fishing 100% for anadromous like that's your target gotcha. you know it's, i'm going i'm going to go fish for anadromous trout or steelhead you know
2: yep.
1: and um and the possibility of sea run brown
2: oh wow
1: because there's a huge there's a huge debate on whether or not the trinity's Brown trout population is anadromous or not?
0: Is the Trinity is the Trinity? Uh, maybe take us to there. Let, let, let's talk just briefly about that a little bit. Then what what is it? You know, take us to the Trinity. What, what's the, what's that experience like for for steelhead for swinging there?
1: So the Trinity swinging for steelhead is super awesome, um you know, and it's it's one of those things that's like a huge split. It's it obviously comes basically from the you know it starts in the middle of California and then you know, flows down into the Klamath and then ultimately out to the Pacific ocean. Um, so it's a tremendously long river with every type of water that you would want. You know, there's, there's really technical, like nymphing water up higher. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the guides, you know, it's more proximal to, uh, Redding and like, you know, the I five corridor. Um, so, you know, that gets kind of hit more and more, um, as far as like, you know nymph fishing and stuff like that but as you get like lower and more remote like towards the coast and like mm. the confluence with the uh the klamath the the runs really open up and like you get those kind of really traditional gravel bars and um i mean there's there's nothing like that place um i mean i'm sure there's a and, and that might just be like my own heart like talking because it's like my home water yeah. Um, and like, you know, a guy who travels to like every steelhead streams is like, dude, this, just like this, this and this. But, um, it's a, it's a really cool area. Nice. And the fact that it's so close to home for me, it's, you know, it can offer anything that you, that you want as far as steelhead machine.
0: On, on the Trinity, you mentioned earlier about the soft tackle, um, or the kind of soft tackle flies. What, is that what you're using there? or you, what are you using? You, if you had to pick a couple flies on the Trinity, what would they be?
1: So one of my flies that my, my favorite, and it's an older pattern that I, I've had commercially tied. And I, I think I ended up giving it to Doug Brutico over at Aquafly. Oh, yeah. I think he's doing it now. Um, and like Doug and I, I was like, he was like, Hey man, I need this fly. and I was like, cool. He's like, well, what do you want? And I was like, just tie the fly. And like, he's like, you don't want roses I was like, dude, I don't care. Right. <laughs> like, yep. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather have people just be stoked out. Um, so that's a fly called the perpetrator. Okay. And basically it's just a big beadhead soft tackle. And, and by big, I mean, it's the whole fly is basically an inch long,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, has a little, uh, it, I think it started off with like a C14S Damakatsu hook. Uh, I don't know what Doug's using now, but it's stout and I have fished it and, um, it's just this big beadhead soft tackle thing. And, and it's weird because you can go and high stick it through a run, like on a spay rod, like if it's like kind of pockety water. And then, you know, take you like 10 steps down and then go swing it through the run and it's just as equally as effective. Nice. Um, You know, so stuff like that. um, I I tried just a ton of really weird soft tackle variations. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And, you know, we were were kind of talking earlier about like intruders. Yeah. And do I fish intruders or stuff like that? And not really. And if I do, they're they're really, really small ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because... Um, I forget if, no, it wasn't this year. It was the year before. I think I landed like a 10 to 13 pounds steelhead on the Trinity, which is a big, which is a big Trinity fish. Yeah. Um, and you know, it ate something like an inch long (laughs) (laughs) in the middle of winter, like January snowing storm cycles happening.
0: They're kind of trouty down there too.
1: Yeah. Those fit, those fish just get super trouty so fast to me. Um, And they're, you know, they're a different fish. They're not as acrobatic as like, in my opinion, as like the coastal fish. Okay. Um, you know, like when you get like true coastal fish less than a mile from salt, that you're swinging that intrudery prawny kind of just really, you're just trying to be piss them off, you know, um, versus, versus the Trinity. It's like, uh. I mean, I think guys go over there with like seven weights and stuff like that. And and most of the time, like if I'm not throwing, like maybe I'm throwing a seven weight single hand rod, uh, like a little one hand spay rod with like a, you know, like a rage head on it Um, or maybe a five weight two hander. Like I love uh, the Scott L2H over there. It's a little five weight. Um, And I'll, I'll even get as light as like four weights during the, the, like October caddis has come off really well over there and you can go over there with like a little four weight spay and like, yeah, you're going to hook a 26 inch steelhead, you know, like I'd, I'd fish the same rod. For, you know, some guys are like, Oh, you need more rod. And I was like, no, I mean the water's low. you know, like if the water's low and smaller, more intimate water, it's, it's uh, you know, you're not just stomping in there with this big, heavy system. Right. A uh, little bit, little bit more delicate, I, I guess, would be the, the terminology.
0: Totally, totally. Well, let, let, let's uh, let's take us out of here. I usually do the two twenty two, which is top two tips, top two flies, top two resources, and uh, let's stick on the Trinity here. Uh, you mentioned one, the perpetrator. Would you have another fly? You would throw another name fly. We might be able to Google up or find out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it might sound really weird, but like I love just bunny leeches over there, really yeah. small ones. Um, nothing beats the movement of rabbit and steelhead seem to love rabbit fur. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
1: so anything that's kind of bunny leachy, uh, like honestly to this day, I'll probably have 20 egg sucking leeches in every colorway from Sculpeny Browns, you know, to purpley blacks, uh, stuff, uh, yeah. in my box at any time. And, uh, realistically, I just have a ton of different, if you're, if you're a tire, like, my beadhead size is just very based upon my my fishing application, I guess.
0: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And um, what about, you know, if we're on the Trinity, we're fishing there, we're swinging, we're up there trying to find a steelhead. Would you have a, a tip or two you might give somebody to help them find that fish?
1: Just cover water. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times guys just get, they see a run and, oh my God, this is the spot. Right. And I mean, I might spend three hours driving around in an eight hour day fishing different spots because a lot of those fish, as they're pushing through that system, those fish are covering, they're not holding down there like down lower in like the swingy water stuff on the lower part of the river. Um, you know, they're, they're going upstream. They're going to go upstream and hang. And some, I mean, some fish will hang there, but the majority of the fish are kind of, they kind of seem to push up for me at least. So, your best days are going to be when you find fish that are chilling for a day or resting or, you know, holding up. So you got to cover that water. Yeah. And and a lot of times if you find one, you're going to find more. Um, so, you know, rest your water, go back, try mm-hmm. something different. Show, you know, just, I mean, it's, it's like dating girls, you know? And, you know, the I always think of Steelhead as supermodels. You're going to go up to them and they're going to reject you. Yeah. To now what do I have? you got to come back with something different. So you, you get right. something that's a little bit more peacocky or a little bit more drab trying to see like what this supermodel wants.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, and you kind of just go back through there a little bit different, like colors or size, of, you know, fly, speed of the fly, stuff like that. And, um, yeah. it, you just, just kind of keep at it. Don't give up, you uh, know,
0: are you getting a lot of action, you know, on the swing? Are you getting fish that are coming up and like tipping it and kind of messing with it and not taking it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was uh yeah, it was it was pretty funny. I uh, I took uh our Japanese distributor uh his name Masa and he uh he does like Loon and like Scott, like done a ton of stuff over in Japan and his son was uh, studying in San Francisco actually. So he came up and we did a steelhead trip. We got into runs and I'm kind of standing up and behind him uh and watching his fly and you would just see fish just like come up and just like a flash, like just roll on it. Yeah. And like, you know, you, you're, you're waiting, like, come on, you're waiting for the line to jump, but they're, they're a curious creature. So I always say that fish don't have hands. So they have to feel with their mouth,
2: yep.
1: um, you know, so that they come up and they might swipe at it or bump it, see what it does. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you'll see fish like, especially when you're skating flies mm-hmm. and you'll see a fish come up, and just be so inquisitive. Like, what is this? What is this? Like five, six, seven times you put it through there at a different speed. And all of a sudden he, he can't handle himself anymore. Right. right. He's got to go grab it. Um, so yeah, you, you, you can get a lot of, there, and, and, so, and a lot of times cause the river's so clear. A lot of times, like you'll see a fish move on it or you'll see a fish move on your buddy's fly. And you're yeah. just like, you know, he doesn't even know what's going on, but your heart's going like 150 beats per minute. Yeah. And then like, all of a sudden it gets to the inside of the swing and you're like, dude, that fish didn't take it. That sucked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you tell him and he's like, wait, what? You didn't <laughs> tell me. I was like, I didn't want eat. No, no. It, hey, there's, there's a fish coming that takes the whole excitement out of that. Grab, exactly. You know, exactly. Um,
0: and that's on so, the, um, so what would be the other than the Trinity? Is there like, what, what would be the steelhead river you would love to fish today? If you could go anywhere in the country. Or any, any or anywhere in, in the world, I guess you could just say because you could throw in whatever, right? I don't know if you want to. I'm not sure how far you've got around with your steelheading, but it sounds like are you more kind of Northern California based, or have you you've been out in some other areas?
1: No, I mean I've been I've been all up through BC right. and you know Oregon, Oregon and Washington stuff like that. Um, I used to my previous life I was like firefighter and paramedic, and I lived out of the back of a truck for like four years. Um, so on my days off, like you know, you have twenty days off a month. Uh, oh. I would go and adventure and fish places. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, no, no wife, no kids. Yep. Like responsibility level was like sub five hundred dollars a month nice. for like you know cell cell phone and insurance and like maybe a car payment.
2: Perfect.
1: Um, So it afforded me a lot of time just to go and dirt bag around and live this kind of weird nomadic life, but still you a respectable member of society as a firefighter slash paramedic. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would love to go to Russia just because, yeah, I right. think, I think the steelhead project that Justin Miller from the fly shop is doing right now is it's probably the most remote untouched region of the, one of the most untouched regions for fly fishing destinations that we, you know, for anadromous fish, I guess, you know, you could do yep. jungle stuff, but, right. um, you know, that would be, that's it. That would be probably the
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's you it. know
0: That's it. That's cool. Hey, uh, we are, um, I, I'm going to respect your time, Matt here and, uh, and try to cut this off a little bit. I, <laughs> this, the, I love these conversations because I've, I had a a, you know, a bunch of questions and I don't think I've even asked you one that was on, you know, <laughs> we've just been kind of chatting here. So it's, it's been, I, this is the best for me. But, um, before we, before we get out here, I just want to check in with you. Um, well, let, let's finish up the two twenty-two first. Uh, resources. If, if we take us back to the Trinity, what would be a couple of good resources? That could be like book, magazine, online website. Anything that comes to mind that could help somebody if they're going to that river and they they haven't caught a steelhead yet? Where where would you direct them?
1: So, man, that, I mean, as far as like books and stuff like that, that I don't, I don't check out a lot of books. I I I, I personally just go and explore.
2: Yeah.
0: So you're not, you're not doing the online, you're not going online to a specific site or website or group or anything like that and getting some information. You're just kind of going out and doing it.
1: Yeah. Because I don't always trust like, like if you go online, like the forums and stuff like that, yeah. like I've, I've, I've been burnt really <laughs> bad and it's like, you know, and I don't want to like call, you know, I'm not like saying anybody's name specifically, but like you see a guy and you know, you look at the forum thing and it's like, how do you gauge this guy's beta? And Oh dude, this guy has 6,000 posts. Right. Wow. This, You know, that dude, ne- like that dude could be the biggest keyboard jockey. Exactly. <laughs> um, and like the guys that don't ever post and don't have an Instagram account and don't do social are like some of the fishiest dudes out there. Yeah. They're the
2: <laughs> <You> ones. <know? laughs> they're the ones you need to find. Th-
1: yeah. Yeah. So um, for me, like for resources, if guys wanted to come and get the most up-to-date information, uh, you know, and 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 all of the and and their shops, right? Yeah. Like,
0: what what is the closest shop?
1: So we have well, we have the fly shop in Reading, and like a ton of the guys are going to be over there. Uh, they're going to be fishing on their days off. They're super forthcoming with information. Yep. And probably like the grand Pumbaa of like all swing fishing on the Trinity is the Trinity Fly Shop.
2: Oh, there you go. And Herb
1: has been over there being a two handed guru for that river, for longer than I've probably been a spay caster. Right. Like,
2: Perfect.
1: and you know, and again, super specialized patterns for the Trinity, both shops are going to have everything that you need. Um, and those, and, and their, and their teams are going to give you like all of the information and, you know, cause they just have boots on the ground over there. Right. Like if they, if they tell you that this Creek blew out and don't go the here, like I would respect that unless mm-hmm. you wanted to go fish really murky blown out water. Um, because our weather systems won't always affect the whole river system, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it could, it could blow out at mile, like 30 or yeah. something, you know, like whatever, whatever it is. So,
0: yeah, yeah. um, that's perfect. But yeah, I'll just perfect.
1: support those guys and see what they know.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a perfect answer. That's two amazing resources. The, the fly shops obviously is the, is the place to go. So, um, um, cool, man. Well, how about uh, with what you have going, you obviously you've got, you know, a, a bunch of companies, and all this work here what, in the next six to 12 months, anything new we can expect from any of the companies you're working with? You want to give a shout out to, or, or yourself personally?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, ba- well, nothing's really launching. I think until like, this is the weirdest year ever, right?
0: Oh, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> has everything pa- has, has everybody, because of the COVID thing, has everybody kind of paused things like when they're, when they're launching new products?
1: Um, I have not, um, personally. Um, and, and everybody seems to kind of just be going like, no, we're going to move forward. We're going to get product out there. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a weird way that I think this is going to be the year of like social media launches, right? Cause mm-hmm. IFTD, like the international fly tackle dealer show got canceled.
0: Oh, it's canceled.
1: Um, yes. And, um, So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like where we roll it out, you know, like here's all the new stuff. Um, We're not going to have that this year.
0: Yeah. Are they going to roll out kind of a a, a virtual kind of uh, whatever?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, sales meetings are canceled. Um, You know, everything's going to a Zoom meeting. It's just kind of different. But yeah, I mean, we're, geez. Yeah. Over at Loon, I think, you know, everything... Like in my brain, I'm like right now. It's so weird because I'm working on
0: 2022.
1: Oh right. Uh, I'm already I'm already working on next year's products to be fished this year and tested for over time, so that I make sure that they're good.
0: That, that's a good question, Matt. For you, I just think because this comes up occasionally, I think Echo and. You know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, on the products, it seems like, especially with the fly rods, right? This is always a thing where some companies come out with a new rod every year. Some companies say, you know what? We got a good line. We're not going to come out with a new rod every year or two. I mean, how do you see it with this stuff? Because you're, you're the man. You're doing this for Loon. Do you see, like, you know, you've got this product that's working really great. Are you always, you know, kind of uh, upgrading that, changing it, having to come out, feel like you always have to come out with something new every year?
1: Yeah. <sighs> no and i'm i'm super blessed because like my rod companies and my real companies are totally on the same brain as me like uh i they don't just turn stuff over like yeah. with like like with echo they'll probably see like a five-year lifespan of a rod exactly and you know unless it becomes so apparent that there's better technology out there we're not you know we're not just going to paint something as a bright new color and change the taper ten percent or something you know yeah. the blank or the mandrel um same thing with scott you know like radians in its eighth year and it's still one of the best-selling trout rods or fly rods out there um how do you beat that like what what what, what world do you go i'm gonna go just trash that we got to do a new one no. um you know like I, I dig letting things marinate, you know, it's like yep. flies. Like and when I, when I guide, I tell guys that want to cast all the time, I'm like the fish are not in the air, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta let it soak a while. Um, so that's kind of my philosophy on, you know, products too. Um, you know, we retire if stuff. If something sits for a few years at the bottom of loon's category, or it's fallen way out of vogue, unfortunately there are going to be guys who are bummed that we got rid of something. But at the end of the day, it's like, we're, putting something better back out there yeah um so yeah no i don't know there should be i can't really divulge any of the cool new stuff unfortunately you know um there's just i would i would i hate to say it but unfortunately i just feel like there's there's too many variables in the world right now like especially with the covid thing um you know like if something happened and like we had to go on quarantine again and it shuts down business and then. Internationally, even you know, like, like things could get it, it could get weird. I don't really foresee that happening, but it's it's a variable that I would take into account.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I think we're all kind of now coming back, you know, to a like we're trying to restart the country, right? Everybody's kind of getting back into trying to do a norm th- normal thing. But yeah, I mean, this fall it could just we could who knows be back on lockdown, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, for me, the last three weeks, I felt like I've done three months worth of work in three weeks, you know, and like finishing up my, my computer work and like emails and order stuff like at 1130 or 12 o'clock at night, (laughs) just because everybody reopened and everybody wanted, you know, it's like, you know, every, every, Hey, rivers are open and everybody just mass exodus, uh, you know, and it's one of the first times in in a long time that I've seen there's a shortage on fishing equipment. <laughs> yeah. So, right. and and it's not just fly guys; it's my buddies over on the conventional side too that are also, you know, like, dude, yeah, no, you can't get that product anymore. No, no. <laughs> we're waiting.
0: Just, just so. like, just like trying to get toilet paper off of the the, the roll from the store, right? You, you can't. Uh, you got to go in there early if you want to get your toilet paper and uh, and stuff, right? It's kind of funny. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Cool. All right. Hey, Matt. Hey, I'll let you get out of here. I uh, just wanted to, uh, it's uh, loonoutdoors.com if they want to find you. And what's your Instagram? What's your handle there?
1: So my my, uh, Instagram is SoCalis23.
0: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So
1: so it's just S-O in front of my last name, which was my my name from being a fireman because I'm originally from southern california yep. and that's just what guys called me <laughs> gotcha
0: perfect perfect yeah and we i wanted to dig into that to hear how you you took it from a uh the firefighting into fly fishing but maybe we'll have to leave that down the line if we can get you back on and, uh, and chat about it but uh yeah matt hey uh, thanks for coming on i appreciate uh you know this conversation has been a lot of fun i know we maybe didn't dig into some of the product stuff as much but um, like I said if we can maybe check check in later with you and, and, and do a follow up episode that would be great but uh, yeah thanks for uh, sharing the, the good conversation absolutely
1: my pleasure thanks for having me on
0: ok I'll talk to you later so there you go if you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered just go to webflyswing.com 144 I'm looking for another person to head over this February to the Yucatan for a big uh, saltwater trip. For heading out for the Big Four, this is going to be an amazing trip set up by uh, Got Fishing. Looking for two more people uh, to join the trip, so you can send me a message directly if you're interested. Dave at WetFlySwing.com, and I'll get you hooked up with some info and uh, give you some details. Thanks again today for stopping by to check out the show. I'm looking forward to catching up soon. Hope to maybe see you on the river or online.